I was sitting with Peter at my favorite little taco burrito shop today, and I had another message on my mind until Peter gave me the new name of the church, which is the Springs. And I want to talk to you about what it is to have the spring of God in your life. Revelation 22, 1 and 2 is really interesting. And In that passage, it says, The angel showed me this river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And so we find in this beautiful picture in the book of Revelation that Father, there on the throne, Lamb, and out of their lives just this is the, what they call the river of life. It's just the living water that flows out of the Trinity. Peace, grace, life, healing, power. Now, the extraordinary thing is that this great river we see in heaven, it also flows down to the earth. Now, when people think of the river of God and the life of God and the power of God, their minds turn to things like revival, the reign of God. And many have prayed for God to revive America and send a great awakening and God do this and God do that. And revivals are astonishing things when they come, but they're intermittent. And there are people that have lived all their life and cried out for revival and never seen one. And then there is the river of God. From time to time, like this Ezekiel 47 river comes and there are places and regions where the power of God just bursts out. But the fact of it is, is the most consistent river is not the reign of the revivaler. It's the river of God that flows out of you. I want to talk to you tonight about how to open that well in you. You know, our goal when we see the word springs, and I love it in the plural, our goal is for not just for in this building there to be some like some big spring where you come every Sunday. Our goal is to have hundreds of springs who have been equipped here. I love it in the plural. That the fact of it is God wants to open a well in you. He says in Psalms 87.1, as they make music, they'll sing, speak out of the King James Version, all my springs are in you. Then in Psalms 84, 6, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. So as they pass through a valley of weeping, as they pass through the hard place, they're sustained two ways. One, God rains on them and brings his blessing, but two, they make it a place of springs. No matter what you're facing and what you're walking through tonight and how dry you might be or how parched you might be, as a son or daughter of God, you never, ever have to have a shortage of water. I'm reminded of that story when Hagar was cast out and her little boy, Ishmael, was dying of thirst. If you're a mother... Father, imagine your child dying of thirst, lips parched, 
Finally, his cries were so terrible and she had no water. It says she went a little ways away. Sometimes you wonder, like, why did my mom abandon the family? Why did my dad walk out? And yes, it's an evil and wrong thing, but there are some people driven away by a pain they can't fix. Says so she sat there to watch her little boy die. Finally, his whimper was ceasing as he was dying of thirst, and she's heartbroken. And the angel of the Lord came to her and said, lift up your eyes and go to your son. And it said that when she lifted up her eyes and went to little Ishmael, she saw a well. I tell you now, in every hell, there is a well. I mean, the hell you could go through. There's a well. Isaiah 32.2 says, each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Each one, each one of God's kids, will be like streams of water in the desert. In these next 10, 12 minutes, I want to help you Come to grips with what does it mean to be a spring? My heart for this church is not just one big giant church where a few great people preach and the water of God comes out or, you know, we got this great worship team and the life of God comes. My goal is to be a part of a church where every man and woman of God, every young person is a spring of living water. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And if they believe, as the scripture says, out of their Belly will flow rivers, will flow springs of living water. Now, how's that happen? Listen, I love revival. I turn to Christ at a deeper level in the Jesus movement. I've seen revival. I've watched it explode through a high school. Revivals come, revivals go. But when God opens a well in you, no matter what your circumstances like, no matter what you're facing, what crisis you're facing, Kathy and I have fought through more diseases and her having cancer and me having stress fatigue syndrome and fighting for children to live. It's just never ending. Now, I want to picture this story in a woman. And, and we call her story in John 4, 4 through 8, the woman at the well. Really should be called the woman with a well. And when you come into John 4, 4 through 8, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. There was massive hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Going all the way back to when the children of Israel, because of their sin, God used the Assyrian Empire to judge them. They were ethnically cleansed, deported, and massacred. And the land was repopulated with people who eventually became Samaritans. So there's bad blood. But Jesus had this imperative. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me drink? His disciples had gone in to the town. This is very unlike Jesus. He had been compelled by his dad to go to an area written off. He'd been compelled by his dad to go to an area of the world where the church of that day, Judaism, had nothing to do with them. They'll never be saved. God's done with them. They're Ichabod. And he went down to Jacob's well, which is a historic well where one of the patriarchs of Israel, 
had created this well. When he sat down in that well, he was there for one reason. He was going to open that well, and the waters of God were going to flood into an area everyone had written off. Here comes the woman. It's in the heat of the day. He knows she's, she's isolated for a reason. This is the son of God. He can read the pain on her face. Knows she's tired. Knows she's been broken by men. Knows she's a pariah. And he does something totally unusual for him. Typically, he'd be there, poor woman, let me help you, let me heal you. He says, will you give me a drink? Why would he do that? Because in that question, there was a promise. Woman, when I'm done with you, you won't need a drink. You'll be a drink. And you need to understand the goal of Christ for your life is not to quench your thirst. The goal of Christ for your life is to do something in you so profound that the thirst of others can be quenched when they're around you. Now watch this. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Now she can't believe it. We're gonna find out later she'd had five different husbands. She wasn't living with, she's living with a man then. Broken sexual past, abused, hated, hated herself. She figured if a Jewish man was speaking to her, he only wanted one thing and it wasn't a drink. Now, I'm going to skip down a few verses and come back. And in 4, 16 through 18, he, he tells her, he says, he's real kind. He says, oh, by the way, go call your husband and come back. She goes, oh, a, a Lord, I have no husband. I'm single. The Lord says, what an honest woman you are to say you have no husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is true. Now, the Lord begins to bore down in her. He's getting ready to revolutionize her life. And in verses 10 through 15, he reveals to her in what I believe to be the secret of the Christian life. And if you can grasp this, it'll change your life. I know what it is to lay dying at 23 and have God heal me. I know what it is for the doctors to look me in the eyes at 33 and say your health is destroyed. It's gone. We don't even know what's wrong with you. Quit your job for two years. Maybe you'll get well. I've been there. Lived in war. Young missionary. Had the dread phone call. We think your wife's cancer spread to her limp nodes. Driven home to my kids with a doctor's drone. We think your wife's cancer spread to her brain with four small kids at home. Been there looked into coffins, but here I am today. Love with my wife, love my kids, filled with joy. And here's why. Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God 
and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he'd give you living water. Sir, the woman said, okay, ho, ho, ho. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where, where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank for it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give, he or she, will never thirst again. She says, I got a drink for you now. The word drink here, I'm going to define this metaphor for you in a moment. It's the same metaphor that you find in the word abiding or when Jesus says feed on me. We'll get to that in a moment. And here's why. Whoever drinks the water I'll give him will never thirst. Why? The water I give, he or she, will become an internal spring and will well up, filling them with eternal life. She says, if you drink from me, you're going to become a well. If you drink from me, I'm going to do something in you internally and the very eternal life that flows out of the God of that peace, that joy, that life, it's going to well up in you. You see, eternal life is not a place. Heaven, that place, that dimension is a result of having eternal life. Eternal life flows out of the Trinity and renews you and changes you and gives you peace when the doctor says your wife has cancer and heals your body when you're dying of hepatitis and your liver is destroyed. And by the time you're done, there's not one trace left of hepatitis in your liver. The internal well or spring spoken of here is a metaphor for the new nature that you receive when you trusted in Christ. The moment you were born again, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's Christ, he's a new creation. It's neither circumcision, uncircumcision, Galatians 6, a new creation. Do you realize when you ask Jesus to save you, you got a lot of things. You got a new family. There's a lot of pain in this room tonight. Hurt and broken homes and abandonment and abuse and divorce and hurt. But the moment you were born again, you got a new dad, new siblings, new family. The moment you were born again, you got new righteous. No matter how shameful and torn your life was, he forgave you and declared you righteous. But you also got a new nature. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, and no matter what you believe about origins, whether you're a creationist or old earth or young earth or a theistic evolutionist, whatever you might be, with everything we know exists, by the word of God. And we know that when Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. That doesn't mean their spirit died. We have a body, soul, and spirit. That means their spirit was separated from God's spirit, and the life of the Trinity could no longer flow into them. But when you were born again, your human spirit and God's Holy Spirit were reunited, enabling his life and his power and his grace to flood into you. So then this woman goes, sir, this woman said, I can see you're a prophet. She's fairly perceptive. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that that place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. 
You Samaritans worship that you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What's Jesus saying? What you want, woman, is not in a place. You know, we always talk about, you know, Islam makes these pilgrimage. Christians make pilgrimages all the time. I'm going to go to this place. God's moving over there. Oh, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. Oh, the river of God's over there. Let me tell you where the river of God is. If you're born again, the river of God's in you. That spring of God is in you. And worship and drinking are synonymous in this passage. So when Jesus says drink, he's saying worship. And worship is synonymous with the spiritual disciplines. What is he saying? Every time you worship, every time you fellowship, every time you read the word, every time you speak the word, every time you hear the word, every time you meditate on the word, you're drinking. You're drinking. Now, if this well has been reconnected, where the heck is it? If I can use the analogy of this keyboard, and I'm not going to mess with it because I wouldn't know what to do with it other than break it. But how many of you know this keyboard has to be plugged into a power source? The moment you were born again, you were replugged, pardon this analogy, into the power of God. But the fact of it is, there's an on or off button here somewhere. And it can be plugged into the most consistent power in the world. But if that on or off button is not pressed, that connection is not made, the power didn't flow. Same with you. Every time I worship, Every time I speak the word, meditate on the word, fellowship with a brother or sister, look in that holy Bible, worship God, pray in my prayer language. Every time I do it, I press the power button and the connection is made and the life of God floods into me. The life of God just flows into me. Now, longer I do it, more it flows. So this woman's taking all that in. And this is, Maybe a short conversation. And you've been married five times and now you're living with a man. How many of you got a lot of pain in your life? Torn up. Now, this is stunning. As she reflected on this, first, will you give me a drink? Jesus had far more in mind than quenching this broken woman's thirst. He intended to make her into a well so her whole city could drink from it. Now, this is mind-boggling. She's broken. She's been abused by men. He's a Jew. She's been raised to hate him. In John 420, 1 John, John 4.20, she says this. Catch this. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town. Do you get this? She left her water jar. She's a young Christian. Why'd she leave it? Because she said, Jesus said, I'm going to be a well. I'm not going to need this jar anymore. Now, on one hand, she probably misunderstood him. On the other hand, she had a lot of faith, okay? If I'm a well, I don't need a jug. If I'm a well, I don't need a jug. And she goes back into the city. And she preaches the worst sermon in the Bible. <laughs> she gets in. Everyone's stunned. How many have ever seen a person first saved when the shame, shame comes off their face? They know such thing is ugly when a person gets saved. The beauty of God just shines on them. Years leave their lives 
wrinkles leave their faces. They're free. They're forgiven. And everyone in the city goes, man, she's looking us in the eye. She's not ashamed anymore. And she stops and goes, out there, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. People go, well, I'd like to hear that. We've all been wondering. (laughs) Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. And here's her big faith statement. Could this be the Christ? I don't know. Maybe he's the Messiah. Beats me. I just know he knows a lot. (laughs) They came out of town and made their way toward him. The whole town begins to empty out because one woman drank so much, she had an overflow. Now, then the apostolic team's there. They're all caught up. And Rabbi, it's lunchtime. You know, we got some hummus and we got some pita. You know, and we've got some falafel and, you know, we got a bit of lamb kebab and, you know, why don't you eat? And he goes, I've got a food you know not of. They go, that figure is he turns some of these dang stones into bread. He says, my food not to sit around, this is to do. And then he goes into this thing that we always want to make like, I'm not going to save time. We always think it's eschatological. He said, I want you to know. I'll read a couple, two, I'll read a bit of it to you. He said, Stop saying it's harvest time in San Marcos in four months. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're thinking, like, what fields is he talking about? You understand, their back is to the city thinking about lunch because they're in Samaria. There's never going to be a harvest here. They're all the dirty old unbelieving Samaritans. And behind them, hundreds of Samaritans are coming out of the city, making their way to Christ because one woman had an overflow. Just one. He said, guys, you best pay attention to me. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and he harvests a crop for eternal life. That was that woman. So the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you've reaped the benefits of the labor. What he says, you have written these people off and they're in the middle of revival. And right behind you while you're thinking about lunch, is a revival. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him. He stayed two more days. I mean, here's what they said. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for us that we know he's the savior of the world. Samaritans believed he was the Messiah before the Jews did. Revival broke out. Because one woman became a well. Revival broke out. One broken. I mean, in modern Christianity, she'd be in like, you know, deliverance, you know, 12-step group. You know, you know, you know, you need to come to like foundations class and like extra foundations class. You know, you've got to be kind of careful. She said, you've been married five times. Like, sit with the sisters for about five years. I mean, we just, we all, I mean, one encounter. Her well got unplugged, and life just flowed out. Just flowed out. Springs. I love it. What you drink here can create a well in you. We've got this analogy in mind that the church is like some big gigantic well. 
That can be apt because the river of God can flood of a church. But God never just wanted one big well. He wanted millions of little wells. The job of this team, job of Peter and Alicia and this great team, ultimately is not to quench your thirst. Because if you don't become a well, people that don't become wells eventually blame their church for their thirst. They just do. The goal of springs is to make you into one. It's just real simple. It's the secret of the Christian life. You have a new nature. Your spirit's been reunited with the Spirit of God. And every time you drink, it flows into you, even when you don't feel it, even when you're tired. When they're treating Kathy for cancer, some of the white blood cells got messed up by the radioactive stuff, iodine, gave her a stroke. She had seizures for years, like couldn't drive for years. They told her to never drive again. By the way, she got instant, got totally healed in our devotions one night. And when God healed her and they went back to scan her brain, there was no evidence she'd ever had years of seizures. Totally perfect. When she'd have seizures, it'd really mess her up and be a lot of mornings. She'd read the Bible. She said, said, you know, she said, I never understood many mornings what I was reading if I'd have a seizure, but it didn't matter. God's word worked anyway. Those mornings where you don't feel anything, immaterial. That's why they're called spiritual disciplines, not spiritual feelings. (laughs) I don't read the Bible because of how I feel. But you discipline long enough, you'll go from discipline to delight. Delight yourself in the Lord. So my prayer for this great church is there would be hundreds of springs. Some of you will one day go to a place people have given up on. And because you're there, a well will be there. A well will be there. Holy Spirit, I thank you for these tremendous people. Thank you for them great time we've had tonight just worshiping you and loving you and hearing you springs i love it lord raise up hundreds of springs in this place in every sector and segment of this beautiful community let it be a place of springs living water springing out of your people